Welcome to the Rook and Pondcast Infinity War panel discussion. Ba ba ba. <laughs> All right, we're excited. We have an all-star cast um, to discuss the biggest movie in the world uh, right now, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, we're going to get right into it uh, with introductions. So, uh, my name is Timothy Kelly. You may know me from such podcasts as the Rook and Pondcast. Uh, and to my right is Justin Bray, who's off mic. He is too busy coordinating many, many <laughs> microphones, um, and will not. He'll he'll be chiming in from time to time, but um, uh, you'll you'll be able to hear from Justin a little bit later, hopefully. Um, to my left, we have Ming Vaz Dynasty, uh, Ming Vaz. So I'll tell you just before I even start, we did uh, this panel discussion <laughs> briefly. <laughs> a quick, I know, I know, a quick digression. Uh, we did an amazing Last Jedi panel discussion back in December, um, and it was fantastic. We did it live at the Rook and Pond, um, and it was a lively... SJWs deleted it because we told the truth about The Last Jedi. <laughs> James, I'm going to strength. <laughs> it's already starting off. Um, we also so... recorded 45 minutes of James and I just talking about politics, <laughs> which... I have so uh, very excuse me. So I have good. not introduced any of you yet. Let's, uh, let's talk if, about if we could all be silent witnesses to my brilliance for a second. Um, <laughs> so we had a great last Jedi panel discussion, um, and it was uh, with with the same panel minus one person. We'll talk about it in a second, um, and <laughs> it was uh, it was great. We enjoyed it, but unfortunately, there was so much going on, and it was uh, very ambitious, and we just didn't record everybody the way we wanted it to sound. So um, we didn't want to release it just because it wasn't like a complete thing. So um, we're going to talk about Last Jedi briefly in a second. But I'm going to use the same introductions <laughs> that I used at that time um, just to sort of bring it all into closure. Don't pull back the curtain. Man. <laughs> Reduce, reuse. Okay. No, I, it, it's because this is, you'll know instantaneously why. So here, Ming Vaz Dynasty. Uh, Ming, Ming Vaz is a prequels apologist. <laughs> And First Order Sympathizer. This Force-sensitive performer can be found hosting Creature Comfort's Creature Feature at Hilo one Monday a month. Ming Vaz, thank you for joining us. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. And for those of you at home, you can't see me because this is a podcast, mm -hmm. but I am actually Asian, so that wasn't offensive. <laughs> and in an amazing Agent Carter cosplay mm -hmm. with Infinity a Access Love. Sally meets... Peggy Carter. We'll have pictures up on the site so everyone can see. It's awesome. Um, and next we have Katie Braun. Katie is an original member of the Rook and Pond staff, barista, and social media coordinator for the cafe. She's a UGA Grady alum. She's more than qualified to critique popular media, and she especially likes to nitpick on the writing and characterization within film. Her goals for 2018 are to grow her hair long like Galadriel and learn to make a better pie crust. Katie, how are we coming on those goals? You know, I think the hair part is going really well. It is, I can say. I'm, yeah. I'm getting there. Um, the pie crust, I really just need like a food processor to just pulse mm. the pie dough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Get the cold water. Um, okay, there. that's good. James <laughs> Major. <laughs> James Major is our next Hello. guest. For many of you, James needs no introduction as he has hosted the Rook and Ponds Happy Hour Trivia since we opened. James deserves additional credit for welcoming my wife and I into his gaming group many years ago, a group that was the inspiration behind the creation of the Rook and Pond. James, welcome. Thank you. That's why I'm suing you for royalties. <laughs> You'll hear from my attorney. I am my attorney. Kendra <laughs> Stout is here. 
Kendra had been working as a zookeeper for 10 years when she made the alarming decision to quit her steady job and plunge headfirst into the world of professional nerd artistry. You can find her art at beanpants.com, and when asked, uh, her favorite Star Wars character is the evil Darg Vorborg. That's still true? Mm-hmm. Is it Darg? Yeah, Darg, Darg Vorborg. Yeah, it's great. So rich, complex. <laughs> uh-huh. It rhymes. <laughs> and finally, Nathan Lawrence. Nathan is an English teacher at Commerce High School. Nathan has rocketed to stardom along with our engineer, Justin, this year with their podcast, Chapel Bell Curve, when he's not breaking down advanced gridiron stats and internet <clears throat> commenting about The Last Jedi. <laughs> he enjoys building worlds in a variety of role-playing games. Nathan, thanks for coming. You're all welcome. Oh, thank you. All right, so that's our, that's our esteemed panel. Uh, we're missing Mr. Will Leach. Will uh, joined us at the Last Jedi panel. Um, I know he's actually now, tonight, is busy with uh, his two young boys. So he wanted to be here, couldn't be here. We're going to talk about him in a little bit because he is the inspiration uh, for some of our questions. Um, on the Grierson and Leach pod, pod, podcast? No excuses. Hodgepodge. I don't think Will's going to listen to this, but my other <laughs> podcast has a beef, with, a fake wrestling beef Ooh. with his po- other podcast. No. So I just want to say this. You piece of shit. <laughs> wow. I'm calling we, him out. It was five minutes in and we already got the explicit tag. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> it's rip that bandit off right now, baby. We're going in hard on Avengers. All right. So Uh-oh. before... We're, we're, we're going to get like way too deep in the Avengers, but I, <laughs> God willing, it's great, no rise. I want, I want to briefly, let's not, let's not get the Sebastian Stan fanfic. In. Right. <laughs> Before we get there. Um, and for everybody who is uh, hoping to hear some of our thoughts on last Jedi, I want just very briefly five months out. I want to hear each of you. You're a little bit removed now from last Jedi um, without going too deep. What, how do you feel about the movie in just like a, in a couple lines? Um, uh, Ming Vaz. Uh, Hux is still Bay. I don't understand why Phasma had to be Boba Fett. I love the movie. Oh, why won't Domino Gleason love me? <laughs> That's perfect. Kendra? I saw a meme the other day that said, um, why didn't Luke's metal hand disappear with him oh, right. when he disappeared? Ooh. And so I've been thinking about that about twice a week. Yeah. That's, that's all you're ever going to be able to that's, think about. That's now, all. Right? That's my big takeaway. Okay. Nathan? Um... I still think it has all of the structural issues that I thought it had when we talked about it before, but I, as I've rewatched it, I think that it is actually a very, very good act of like aesthetic filmmaking, and like there's a lot of interesting color analysis to be done. Right. Okay. James? It's, it's still a Ryan Johnson movie. It's still aggressively meh. <laughs> and Katie? Uh, I still really like it, but I am rethinking the quality of the fight scene with uh, Ray and Kylo and all the red knights in the throne room. Oh my gosh, really? If so... you watch it in slow motion, it's kind of bad. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. But that's my only real hot take. Okay. Okay. Like disappearing lightsabers at some point, too. All right. Pretty... Oh. We'll, we're going to have to do a, maybe a, a year anniversary when we can all yeah. be... Because yeah. I, I, I feel like... I had all these Avengers takes primed, and now I have, like, I just realized I got a big tank of these. <laughs> Last Jedi. All right, tanks. now that I got everybody all angry. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, so we're going to. Too do, many women in it. We're going to get into it. All right, so uh, now that we um, got through the pleasantries, let's get right into it. I'm going to do the same thing we did at the Last Jedi panel. I think this is a good sort of like, um, uh, it's a, uh, like the taste calibration for our, all the listeners. So you can kind of get an idea of where all these people are coming from before you get very angry about their positions. So I'm just going to run through a quick list for each of you of just some questions. Um, and then people will get an idea about like your, you know, who you are. All right. So we'll start with Katie. We'll go the other way. All right. Uh, oh God. All right. Name the best and worst Marvel film from this list. Okay. 
Iron Man, Age of Ultron, Civil War, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming. What's okay. the best? What's the worst? Just from this list. Best is Civil War. Okay. Worst is Ultron. Okay. All right. Uh, vacation at the beach or camp in the mountains? Camp in the mountains. Okay. I just vacationed at the beach. That's why. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down right. to these two things. All right. Ready Player won the book. Ready Player won the movie. Can I do like an ironic thumbs up for the book? I'm just going to do two thumbs down for the book. And I did not see the movie yet. Okay. All right. So. Uh, cats, dogs, or neither? Cats. Okay. James, best and worst from the list. Iron Man, Avengers, Ultron. Um, sorry. Iron Man, Ultron, Civil War, Doctor Strange, Homecoming. Are you testing whether I'm a replicant or a lesbian, Mr. Dick? <laughs> hey, that was my line. <laughs> How dare you? All right, the best Don't overall Marvel it. movie is uh, Winter Soldier, which is not on this That's list. That's not on the list. You can't uh, break the list. Number two is Iron Man 3. Okay, all right. What and the fuck? We, I, number, number, four, number three is Guardians. <laughs> all right, one. James, James, James. 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 All right, um, Age of God, Ultron is pretty, pretty forgettable. Okay, so what's the best on that list? Uh, what's the list again? Iron Man, Ultron, Civil War, Strange, Homecoming. Homecoming. Okay. Beach or mountains? Beach. Ready Player won the book? Yay or nay? No, Ernest Klein can die in a fire. <laughs> and the movie? He fucking sucks. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, cats, dogs, or neither? Uh, both. Okay. There you go. Uh, I should have said that. Why didn't I say that? All right. Nathan, uh, best and worst from that list. Um, I'm gonna say Homecoming and is the best, and Ultron is the worst. Okay, yeah. Beach or mountains? Uh, beach. Ready Player One, the book. There's a fuckboy part of me that really likes that book, <laughs> but there's a larger non-fuckboy part of me that hates that book. So I'm gonna say thumbs down. Uh, the movie. Oh fuck that! No, thumbs <laughs> and down. And cats, dogs, neither, both. Both. Okay. Kendra, best from the list: Iron Man, Ultron, Civil War, Strange, Homecoming. Iron Man is the best, and Ultron is the worst. Okay. Beach or Mountains? Beach. Uh, Ready Player won the book? It was fine. Movie? I didn't see it. Okay. Cats, Dogs, Neither, Both? All of the animals. All of the above. And Mingvaz, best, worst? Uh, I'm going to go with Civil War for best, and because I have Asian anger, Doctor Strange mm. must be the oh, worst. Right. And so must Iron Man 3 get out of my face with it's the second best. <laughs> uh, beach or mountains? Um, beach. Ready player, the, ready player won the book? I refuse to entertain either one of those things. Fantastic. Cats, dogs, both, yeah. neither? Okay, so cats, dogs, neither, both. All are delicious in the eyes of God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, perfect. So, that should give you a sense of where everyone is coming from. You'll know your hero, your villain, uh, before we even get into it. So, All right. So, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go around quickly. We're going to get first impressions. Um, of Infinity War. Then we're going to break down, uh, break it all down into elements. We're going to start building it up into like themes and structure. And then in the end, we'll get into like the big concepts and like the, the legacy, the impact, and all that kind of stuff. But um, before before we even get to that, I just want to quickly um, give thanks to uh, Slash Film. Um, their podcast was awesome on this. Gave me a lot of really great ideas for um, uh, topics and questions to give to our panel. And Grierson and Leach, uh, they um, also had a really great uh, podcast on Infinity War um, and inspired some of the topics we'll address tonight. So, 
Um, let's go um, to Kendra first, okay? Your, just briefly, your first impression, like your brief sum up of how you felt about the movie without getting too deep into plot, or just your, your sort of surface level yay or nay on Infinity War. I really liked it. I think they did what I thought they couldn't do and brought every single character into focus and then brought them all together in an interesting storyline. Okay. Nathan? I think it was a staggering work of filmmaking. And I think in a lot of ways, technically, it's probably the best Marvel movie. But then I also think that its reliance on intertextuality is sort of its undoing. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's really all that I have. All right. uh, But I have like a specific take in there. Um, I would say I think that it it is the ultimate slap in the face to the DCEU because it manages to do the grimdark thing they want to do, except they earned it. And it makes sense. Yeah, and it made me, le- like, seeing it, I feel like the way an audience must have felt seeing Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Because even though I yes. had a vague idea, since I'm familiar with the comics, about... All right, let's not get too plot heavy. Oh, yes, you're right. Sorry. (laughs) All right. And Katie. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. Uh, I think at this point, you know, they've been working towards this movie for so long that they did handle it really well. I think it was like a very large expectation it set for itself. Um, But I really liked it. Uh, There were some flaws. We'll talk about those. And I, I probably should have pointed out this is going to be a very spoiler heavy. <laughs> so if I, I, I don't think anybody would listen to this that hasn't actually watched the movie yet. But I um, I, all, sh- all the shackles are off. Anybody can talk about spoilers. <laughs> um, I, we're going to give you the warning now. Don't listen anymore if you haven't seen it. Um, but uh, at the beginning, just for the panelists. I think um, I, we just want to talk about some sort of elements, um, and you don't have to delve too deeply into plot and that kind of stuff. But um, first, I want to start with um, with James. Um, so humor, all right. So from the beginning, Marvel, the Marvel uh, MCU has used humor to great effect, right? Yeah. Um, they kind of provide. They've always started like had that knowing wink of like this is insane, right? <laughs> like, but. Um, <laughs> it's the first Avengers movie, I think, was probably maybe one of the best at that. You know. Um, but there weren't the stakes, maybe, that there were in this one. So how do you think the humor landed in this film? Um, was it too dark to be as funny as it was? Or was it funny at all? Um, and did it suffer or benefit from not having that same sort of Whedon-esque, like, quippy banter? Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a mixed bag as with all these things. You know, some of, some of it lands, some of it doesn't. But when you're shotgunning so much hashtag content at the audience, that's kind of the law of averages, right? But, you know, definitely the quipping got to be a bit much, man. I mean, come on. Oh, in this one? Yeah. Oh, okay. For sure, for sure. And I think, like, that's the weedness disease that's infected so much of popular culture. You think there was more in this one than there was even, like, in the first Avengers? I don't know. I just feel like, you know, if you're building up to that end, if you're building up to that conclusion, you're working backwards from that. Clearly the story is working backwards from that moment. And if you're knowing you're building to that... Uh, to fully land that gravitas, it was still remarkable they were able to pull that off on some level with that much humor going on. Do you think the humor at any point in this movie like undermined what they were trying to do? Were there, were there scenes when you're like, oh, you didn't have to be so shticky or whatever? Yeah, but that's kind of a Marvel thing because people just want to show up and hang out with their friends, the Avengers, for... Uh, was there a particular scene that you thought was like, wow, that was like 
absolutely hilarious could have been it just I, I think that as always uh Dave Batista's oh, yeah, everything right, yeah. <laughs> the, the bit with the nuts and him standing still was maybe my favorite moment of the entire film <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was like audible cackling oh, yeah. yeah all right so Kendra yes, all right so like stylistically um so like all these mega blockbusters kind of have to, like the boxes they kind of have to check off as they go through it either for fan approval or for, like, plot service and that kind of stuff. And so sometimes I think, you know, they're, they're some of, like, maybe more daring choices visually or stylistically kind of get lost or cut because they have to kind of go through all those kind of things. But recently, Marvel uh, has seemed to be more willing to kind of let some of that style show through, particularly, I, I think, of Thor Ragnarok. Um, and the scene uh, towards the end of the zombie hordes all piling on top of each other and Thor descending from the sky, you know, that it looked like a, you know, like a piece of art, you know? So was there anything in this movie like that? Was there any like sort of like you thought maybe like visually, stylistically a, a scene that was like true art or is it more just sort of like lightweight, fair, um, just kind of all mashed together like a lot of other blockbusters? Was there anything that stood out visually that you were like, wow, that is like actually film art? Well, a lot of the the scenes that I remember mostly built on uh, the James Gunn and the Taika Waititi color choices for a guardian. That's kind of what comes to my mind is those bright, bright, oversaturated colors. And those scenes were gorgeous. I mean, all of the, the Thor stuff and the guardian stuff was beautiful. And I was really waiting, like Black Panther is also stunning cinematography. And I was waiting for that uh, um, Wakanda like scene where the you see in the trailers where the shields go down and everything comes running in. I was waiting for that moment and it didn't, it didn't hit. It didn't take the time to take the beat, which I get because they don't have time to to make the the scenery or the shots be the star. It's got to be every single character has got to have that screen time. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think uh, building on James Gunn and Taika Waititi. Yeah, I think those were they coasted a little bit on the work of <laughs> the people that didn't have to do everything. Uh, yeah, that first Guardians introduction, like the space, you know, it's <laughs> like, and then the pops. music kicked in and yeah. that kind of stuff too, but just the, the look of that was amazing. And you just kind of relax into it. You're like, oh yeah. And then the whole sequence with Thor and, you know. <laughs> so good and Batista. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> looks like a pirate and an angel <laughs> and a baby. Um, all right, so uh, Ming Vaz, we're um, sort of building on that, I, I think, a <clears throat> criticism of sort of like blockbuster fare, um, sort of the action sequences. Um, sometimes in action sequences in, in these types of movies, it can just kind of be like that sort of vomit of like CGI and noise. There's no real like style or like choreography to what they're doing in the fights or the chases or the battle scenes. Um, did you find any of that to be a problem in this movie? Um, or And do you think overall, does Marvel do better with in the MCU with like large like Apple 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 epic <laughs> epic battle sequences uh, sort of like the um, sort of the Wakanda scene at the end mm. or those more intimate like one-on-one sequences I, I think of like the Civil War Iron Man Captain America face off I typically prefer to watch on just on a personal level uh, fight scenes where I know all the characters so like big hordes of fighting give me that claustrophobic like Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings vibe. I mean, I think they did it well, but I still feel that way. Um, I, what I th- like that they did with the specifically with the Guardians of the Galaxy plus Iron Man plus Doctor Strange uh, fight that looked like it 
I feel like I could see the storyboards and the storyboards would have looked like comics with the way oh, that yeah. was edited and put together. When they're, when they're trying to wrest the gauntlet off mm-hmm. of Thanos. Yeah, right, yeah. And uh, also when Nebula showed up, it was like, oh! Um, but <laughs> no, the, uh, yeah. I think that the fight scenes and the choreography will work better be- for an audience when it is smaller. But, I th- but for me personally, that's true for any movie. And yeah. anything where you have like fights, I'd rather see yeah. a more intimate situation. Was there anything in the CGI in this one that you were like, uh, like uh, dumb or just didn't quite uncanny valley-ish kind of? Um, James has thoughts. I, as a prequels apologist, as we discussed earlier, <laughs> I'm so glad uh, I left that intro. <laughs> I don't, unless the CGI is like. So bad. I just suspend my disbelief. I do think what they like my favorite bit of CGI in a fight, even though it wasn't really a fight fight, uh, was when they went to nowhere and Thanos oh, yeah. turns Drax and Mantis into blocks and spirals. That was beautiful. That was pulled directly from Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> also, sweet, sweet Mantis's blinking eyes while she's unraveled <laughs> is my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so Katie, pacing and continuity. We talked about this on the Last Jedi panel with you. Um, so much like Last Jedi, uh, I think in this movie we're kind of thrown into the movie quickly, and like we're just kind of sort of asked to you know keep track of three or four different plot lines that are going on simultaneously. Um, so uh, was that just in this movie in Infinity War? Was it distracting for you having all those different timelines going on, um, and did it hurt the? pacing continuity of the film for you and did you find yourself bored with any of like those abc plot line um first of all i was not bored at all during this movie i was incredibly stressed out the entire time (laughs) um so kudos on that one uh like we said before you know this is so many characters to juggle and i think it's really impressive that they managed to you know jump between each you know a to b to c to d to basically the whole outfit (laughs) um and it was it was really good i didn't find myself getting too lost or anything like that um as far as continuity goes uh i can't really base anything off the comics because i'm not super familiar with them but based on other movies i i can probably talk more about this later if i really want to i really am concerned about where they're going with thor's character specifically we'll get to that um well because i think they have handled slash not handled continuity problems in his solo films Uh, my main thing in terms of continuity is wondering like who is still a character okay. at this point yeah. well, who they, we haven't seen hey, in a while we'll okay there, right? I but said speaking I of might. characters nathan there's a lot of characters in this movie right mm-hmm. like six or at even least. more maybe maybe 10 no there's <laughs> like uh, so uh one criticism that I've, I've heard and and read of the film is that with all those characters, there aren't any really, like, the real character arcs in this movie. It's just a bunch of characters kind of, like, thrown together. Um, and it's all of them just making sure that a- each hero gets their requisite number of lines and make sure the plot moves forward. Uh, so is that a fair criticism? Um, especially um, with kind of knowing that sort of the, the counter-argument to that immediately is that 
they all had character arcs coming in because there were 18 movies. <laughs> like, so Captain America maybe didn't have a character arc, but he also had three movies leading into that. So do you think that's a fair criticism of this movie um, as a standalone? Okay, well, first, before I answer this, I want to thank you for throwing me the like biggest softball English major <laughs> question that you possibly could. I did my research. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I think... Okay, so what I think is that um, it's a fallacy to think about these under the paradigm of the traditional three-act structure that we usually analyze film through. And I think that if you look at the background of the Russo brothers' directing career, they actually got the job from Winter Soldier from the paintball episode of Community. I think it's actually more informative to think about this movie as an episode of a TV show. Mm -hmm. So if you think about how this movie moves the plot of the MCU forward, I think that like you were saying that like all these other characters already have their movies, but I think it's in the same way that like anytime you see Abed in community, Abed has like a background library of moments that we've seen for him. And they're all self-referential to that. So I actually think that the, the character arcs in this movie are more about like the interactions between the characters. It's not just fan service that like, you know, uh, rocket wants Bucky's arm. Right. I mean, it is fan service and yeah, squee, but like also I think it is, it's a, it's an important, like, um, if you think about what the Russos did in Civil War, what they did was they like sort of reset the Marvel Universe and they took this big threat off the table and they kind of like basically shook a bunch of stuff up in order to get more interesting stuff out of it. And I think there's kind of an, it, there's a similar thing going on here where it's like we have to have connective tissue for the Marvel Universe going forward because the difference between the comics and the, and the movies at this point to me is that like in the comics, all these people know each other. Right, the Fantastic Four knows the Avengers. The Avengers know the X Men. Like they're friends. They've had like comic books together. And so I think that if you think about it more from that as like a TV episode or an ep or an issue of a comic book, that it makes a lot more sense. So that's perfect. Right, yeah. So yeah. Now I'm just going to break this open. This is going to be group talk. All right. We're just going to get real, everybody. Um, <laughs> this is open to anybody. But um, it segues into the very next question, which Nathan brought up, is that the Russo brothers, you know, came, you know, came from TV. But I've I've seen uh, critics and and heard critics say that this felt less like a movie than it did like a season finale of a TV show or maybe a compressed season of a TV show all into like two and a half hours, uh, you know, on screen. So, I mean, is that even a fair criticism anymore with like, you know, Netflix makes movies and we are in binge watch culture and the, the line between TV and movies has blurred so com almost completely now. Is that even a criticism anymore? And is that a, a fair criticism of this movie? It, does it feel more TV to you than movie? And is that does that even matter to anybody? I mean, in the in the fifteen hundreds, people were complaining about how the novel was the death of drama. So I feel like that genre and like form complaints are usually bullshit. But I could be wrong. Does anybody? Did anybody else? Feel it's it? changing. I mean, it's forever evolving. I mean, you know, Spielberg's complaining about. Netflix making movies, you know, old man's always going to yell at cloud. <laughs> this, this is just, you know, this is just the newest mutation of that. And yeah, do I miss a standalone story that is not based on a pre-existing property, tells a complete story, and is not automatically set up for a sequel, and it's 90 minutes? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Really badly. <laughs> but this is also a valid thing, too. But this is also, like, it is a groundbreaking piece of cinema, even if it's not... You know, even if you don't like the movie itself, it's still, yes. like, the first time a movie is like, all right, well, we got, like, I don't know, a dozen trilogies already, yeah. so we're putting it all together. And it, and on one hand, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a TV show necessarily. It, it was the most comic book feeling 
movie of all the comic book movies because I feel like when Thor and uh, Gamora are talking about their like backstories that felt like an editor's note over mm-hmm. a panel mm-hmm. be like mm-hmm. oh and watch Thor Ragnarok to know more about what happened to his father <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we've been edging for like a decade <laughs> yeah. this. we're still edging let's be honest yeah we are yeah, so we, we hit on this quickly there is so there is no like pro right now there's no prologue in this movie. Like, there's no, like, last week on Avengers. You know, like, they just kind of threw you into it. They expected that you yep. knew what the MCU was. They expected that you knew what happened in Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange, and you just had to go with it. So um, do you think that was the right choice, or should there have been more of that sort of in-movie banter like there was uh, with Banner and Iron Man at the beginning? Like, who is Thanos? It's like, you you remember Thanos? He was in New York. You know, like, there... Do, what, do you think there should have been more of that? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of fans here, so people know it. But just think of it from a more mainstream perspective. Do you think that hurt the movie, helped it, uh, without all that sort of in-movie in exposition banter? You know? I mean, I have enough thoughts on this that I'm leaning forward in my chair. But I also <laughs> want to make space for other people. So if someone else would like to take this one. I'm very open to it. I had forgotten that Loki had like worked for Thanos. And so like, it was like after that opening scene, my husband leaned over and was like, Oh yeah, they used to be friends. And I was like, Oh, and then I missed the next, like full circle. I missed the next four beats of the movie. Cause I was trying to like sort through, cause I have blocked Ultron from my mind. That's, uh, and in interest of full disclosure, I feel like this movie does a really good, mm, um, <laughs> like I, I hate origin story movies so much. We've gotten to the point where we have enough superhero and stuff like that. Like, I don't need another origin story. Your audience is at least decently intelligent. They'll be able to pick up the pieces. Like, I didn't see... I I still have not seen Iron Man, Iron Man 2. I hate-watched Iron Man 3 because (laughs) fuck you, Iron Man 3. Um... And, like... Shane Black just unsubscribed. I love Iron Man 3. Don't leave Shane Black. No, that's that's a I topic. Gotta go. I, okay, a topic for another day. Okay, I do I do want to have a whole podcast where we just talk about like Marvel's capitulation to the Chinese market, but like <laughs> stay on target. Stay stay on target. Hey, okay. So, but without that knowledge, yeah. you were fine. Yeah, without that, I, it wasn't like I was like, oh man, I really wish I had more of an understanding of Pepper Potts and Tony Stark. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I have so, this. Okay. Oh wait, no, oh, no, no, me, no, no. It, it, me, it, my turn. Um, I kind of based on what I was saying earlier, you know, right at the beginning, they just like thrust you into like, oh yeah, what happened to Thor's people? Oh shit! I don't, I don't know that there's any other way they could have done it. Like, there's no way to like ease you into how complicated and stressful the rest of the movie's gonna be. But I don't like that they never really revisit what happened to right. the rest of Thor's people because they kind of have like a very offhand comment about like oh we killed half of them right away and the other half are just floating around there and i'm like who who's helping them and also like side note uh if valkyrie has been killed off immediately i'm going to be very pissed off it's like if they spent all that movie building her up only to be like yeah she died i guess (laughs) she's got time between those janelle videos she can kind of leads into the next question nathan i know you want have some things you want to say, but I have another question that ties God. in directly. All right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so the opening scene specifically, and we can circle back into like the prologue part, but um, how did the opening scene work for everybody? And then, so on, on a couple levels, um, one being um, 
do you think it really sufficiently established like the stakes of the movie? You know, with Loki dying, Heimdall dying, no. Thor in shackles, like kind of like did you feel that that paid off? Like, wow, this is going to be a totally different kind of thing. And then two, two directly to um, Katie's point, do you think it? Um, uh, do you think the opening scene undercut? Um, what happened in Thor Ragnarok undid a lot of what yes. they, you know, what they um, what they tried yes. to achieve. It did. I mean, I'm there's no way they could have avoided this. I guess with just like the timetable of when all the movies were supposed to take place. But having seen Thor Ragnarok, and I really loved that movie. Yes. I think it was one of the better Marvel yes. movies lately. For that to happen and for him to go through so much bullshit in that movie and then immediately after be like, oh, by the way, uh, like, remember the villain from that other movie I was in? He's like, for real now? (laughs) Um, I do think it was kind of like, oh, we're like starting off strong with like, you know, Loki's maybe dead for real now. Sort of. I don't know. That was a chump move trying to stab him. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) Uh, Someone else say something. (laughs) Okay. Well, I will say. I'm not going to, I have this like real bottled up rant about like culture criticism, but I'm not just going to like throw up all over you guys. Okay. Well, I just do want to say that like Idris Elba is the man I will marry. Um, and I love him. I love him and his galaxy eyes so very much, but I know that just as my love for Idris Elba is eternal. Heimdall is sort of like more of a, more of a concept than he is a human. So he'll come back. It's fine. But I do think that my problem with the prologue thing and with that criticism, I'm sorry to pull us slightly off topic is just that it that criticism is part and parcel to this sort of like lowest common denominator horse race criticism bullshit. And so like I think about what is the odd intended audience of your criticism and so much of culture criticism and so much of political criticism today, the intended audience is like a racist alien who's never been to America before. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're not racist That's and you true. have been to America. <laughs> I, I thought you would eat people of any race. That's what I, you know. Um, but I just, I put my mouth all the way over this microphone to prove that was true. Uh, no, but I, I, it just bothers me because for years, since my father was a child, people have been absorbing these giant serial stories. I mean, Isaac Asimov's, Asimov's foundation came out in 1952 and that was like the first giant science fiction serial. And so the idea that somehow like the popular American conscience can't handle a story with more than five characters is just fucking provable bullshit. And so the idea that like all of a sudden when we put it on the screen, this is my, I fucking hate the game of Thrones TV show. But one of my big problems with the criticism of that show is that it's like, there's too many names. There's too many characters. It's like, well, too fucking bad. There aren't books with a bunch of characters or we'd be all <laughs> fucked. Right. Wouldn't we like, and so that what I don't like is the idea, like when you mistreat your audience and criticism and when you assume that your audience and criticism and when you make something stupid, like you're only holding out art as a whole fiend. Sorry. Um, Going back to the prologue, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, because it was Loki that they killed in that ship, if, if it had been somebody else, if it had been a rock friend from Ragnarok that he oh killed, God, he like somebody who, he like, when he, it'd like... It almost sadder than Loki. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, we've seen Loki die before, so the audience has that, it, will they or won't they, is he or isn't he... But I do think that it immediately, like, sets a tone for you. You know, like, you, like, and this is why I don't think it disrupted Ragnarok for me. I think it makes Thor a more complex character, because you went from him being like, yeah, he saved the day, to being like, 
well, his day just got fucked. Yeah, he's and, weak. Like, he has a whole new yeah. slew of other problems to deal with for his next feature film if he has one. I also really liked that they, like, within the first 15 minutes of the film, they did, like, a, they basically remade a panel from Infinity Gauntlet with Thor in those, uh, like, being bound and chained, because that's what Thanos did to his brother. Yeah. Um, and I really liked that. that it, I think it let the, like, more into the comics people in the audience know that we see you, yeah. we're here for you, right. but also we're here for all of this. And yeah. The nod of, uh, of the Hulk... Hulk being thrown into uh, Sanctum Central. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Do you want Silver Surfer? Do you guys want to hear my like? Do you guys want to hear my like trash conspiracy theory? And this is bad. Yeah, I'm telling you anyway. I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> is, is this your theory for the next movie? No. Okay. It, it's it's way, dude. That's, that's that's so small in scope. No, my theory is that with the second evolution of the MCU, and since Captain Marvel seems like she's going to be like the the new main person mm-hmm. that the next thing they're going to do is secret invasion and so my theory is that loki was a scroll the loki who died on in infinity war was a scroll and in thor 2 when loki like quote unquote died he got replaced by a scroll off screen after that so that loki who died was actually a scroll himself uh. and so that when we get to secret wars in like 10 years yeah i'm going to come back and put this podcast on all my social media to yeah, be right. like hey you motherfuckers like yeah. All right, put a pin on this. We'll yeah, see you in, in, in 2028. Later. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll just get right to Thanos then. All right. So Thanos, uh, definitely a memorable and a different sort of villain, um, you know, for um, uh, for a superhero movie. So just quit lightning round. Can anyone tell me the name of the villain in Justice League? <laughs> Ooh. Bless <Celestium>. you. <laughs> All right, we got we got a couple. He's we got born to be wild. Steppenwolf. <laughs> um, just you know, I'm, I'm not here to hate on Justice League or whatever, but uh, it, you know, I just think that Thanos will uh, just even if you didn't like the way that they treated him or the you know the way they wrote him, I think that they were ambitious enough to make him interesting and memorable. So, did Thanos as like the tortured soul in this movie? Um, did that work for you? Do you think that it was sort of tacked on or sort of trumped up? Like, is there, like, especially leading up to it, you know, he had made his appearances before, and now all of a sudden he is just this massive, you know, entity in the entire movie. If the, Like, this is pretty much his hero arc. This is his hero movie. Um, do you think that was, um, you know, was that fair a fair way to do this? Uh, was there another way they could have gone? Did Thanos, the tortured soul, work for you guys? Yeah, hell yeah. He was so compelling because he kind of made sense. Like, you kind of felt upset with yourself that you were like, you know, there are a lot of people on Earth, and would it be the worst? Because you always assume that you and your loved ones will be fine. (laughs) I won't die. And all those annoying people that live next door to me. Whew. Can't wait till they're gone. Right. But yeah, he was so interesting and, like, you know. So, so Kendrick, like, the, especially, I guess, specifically some of the scenes, like, uh, maybe the flashback scene with Gamora as a child, um, the scene when Gamora actually does stab the vision of Thanos and she cries, like, and then we'll get to Gamora's sort of ending in, in a second, but the, the scene with her and the Soul Stone, um, did, like, do you felt like all that resonated emotionally with you, or was it too much too soon for this character that, you know, we, bar- we knew very little about, and now all of a sudden we, we're immediately invested in like did like did you feel rushed or was that 
was it was the emotional payoff okay for you? I know nothing about Thanos in the comic books, so or I, I'm just talking about the MCU, you right? Know, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't carry any expectation with me gotcha. into this movie, yeah, right. so like meeting the big purple guy and being like, oh yeah, I remember you, and then him having like feelings was fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. didn't expect anything else. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else have Thanos thoughts? Um, I think that like the reason why Thanos works for me is because. They do a really good job. Like, Gamora and Nebula are talented enough performers and actors that, like, I was sad in those flashbacks because I liked Gamora, not because I liked Thanos. And, like, the idea of Thanos as sympathetic never, like, like, he, they gave him motivation. They did not give him sympathy to me. Right. Like, okay, yeah, I understand you want to kill half the population, that's great. You think it's because it's overpopulated. But the way he ended up coming across was like, you know, someone's racist uncle who's like, well, the world just has too many people and I can't go to Atlanta on Friday, so I won't be able to catch a game. Like, that is what Thanos was to me. Like, Make the galaxy great again. Right. <laughs> It doesn't even when I when I saw that scene, it wasn't. I didn't get he was upset because he watched his people suffer. I got he was upset because he was right and no one listened. Oh yeah, and that is how I read that. Then he became like a stubborn. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like yeah, yeah. he's a red pillar on Reddit, and he's like, "Well, I saw this coming, and no one listened." He's also <laughs> clearly on r slash weightlifting. Am I right? Am I right? Is it too early to talk about is Thanos thick? He, Thanos is thick it's with so three thick. C's. Three C's. Damn it. Uh, I I guess I just think okay. This is with James. I'm 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 imagining with James is going to be the like my hottest, most controversial take of the night. I think that changing Thanos, like putting Thanos in the motivation, is kind of like uh, for all of the problems. It I th- it made me think about Watchmen the movie because mm-hmm. for all the problems with Watchmen, one of the things that they got lauded for was that like Alan Moore is fucking crazy. So the ending to the Watchmen book is also fucking crazy. Right. And so when they made the Watchmen movie, they changed the ending to something that, you know, made sense if you weren't on LSD. Right. <laughs> and so he's a wizard. Uh, how dare you? Right. I mean, he is, <laughs> he, he is a snake God wizard and that is all true. Woman, so yeah, that, that's true. That's true. He can't he write women like, characters either. He only likes women that- Ooh, shots fucking fired. All right. But if you look at what... We're calling out a lot of people. Yeah, if you look at what Gamora, the backstory with Gamora replaced, like, in the comic books, he was, like, in love with death, and that's why he was killing people. And as much as I have, like, a strong woman fetish, that's, like, fucking stupid. Yeah. Right? Like, so they had... to impress her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had to give it... They had to give him something, and so I feel like this was the... Since you already have, like, two, as you said, very talented performers in his daughters, like, why not do that and not try to, like, shoehorn in? Like, death is a person, and Thanos (laughs) wants to fuck her, and so he's killing all these people, and it's like, what the... Although I was really surprised that they didn't keep Loki around to be the Mesefo yeah, yeah. Because I thought that's what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was already kind of in that role. Yeah, you know, like... This is deep cut for Infinity Gauntlet readers. But <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people... I mean, there, there, I mean, I, I will say, like, the Infinity Gauntlet is classic, like, love him, Jack Kirby insanity. Mm-hmm. It, it is like, Absolutely. it is like Jack Kirby hates Nazis and does LSD and just <laughs> fucking Jack Kirby just sits there and punches a Nazi and then just tabs LSD and then writes a comic. <laughs> That's what Infinity Gauntlet is. Stanley 
So erases his name off of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so I, one of the things that I did like about the one, I think this is a good example of that, where it's like there were just some things in Infinity Gauntlet that weren't going to work. Like the the climax of Infinity Gauntlet takes place on like a floating platform yeah. in the middle of now space. Now that can still happen. Yeah. Yeah, but then like Captain America tries to jump through space as though that's going to like fucking work. Like, and so I think kind of. I think Doctor Strange it. made like a bubble for them to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. They, there was a lot of like, no, don't worry, Doctor Strange makes oxygen. Wait, let's <laughs> let's first back up. That. That is the example you're using for things that won't work, not the living tribunal. That's true. Not... Yeah, that's okay. true. That's true. That's true. That's true. We, we will get into comics in. Uh, we, we we can have a special Rook and Podcast for the Infinity Gauntlet comic. But um, back to the movie. Um, all right. So Thanos worked. It seemed like for most people. Um, how about the the Vision Scarlet Witch romance. Um, did people buy that? Um, especially knowing at the end that the emotional payoff is linked to the climax. I mean, if you don't buy that, then the climax of the movie doesn't hit, right? So, uh, as well, at least. So, how did everybody feel about Vision Scarlet Witch? I... I... Okay, so, to be fair, this Collect. rant is going to be turned into a why can't they fucking write the Scarlet Witch in a good way? Yeah. Like Or get an accent down. And give her a con <laughs> uh, give her a costume. No, it's not even, I don't I don't care about any of that. Like her whole like I understand and you when writing a, a thing now, you don't want to tie in particular a woman's powers too much to her emotions. Even though classically Scarlet Witch is really tied like her powers are tied to her emotions really strongly. And you want to try to work around that because that's, you know, not the best look. Um, but, like, dude, why are you going to, like, culture for the entire fucking movie? Like, and then when her husband, like, boyfriend, di- when Vision dies, she she starts crying instead of going, like, crazy with power, which is... All I want to see the Scarlet Witch do yes, is let yes, loose. Yes, tell him. I also <laughs> think that this movie with the Scarlet Witch and the Vision relies too much on the audience just accepting that they're in love as soon as the movie starts. Because right. they're on a mini break. They're in love. Okay, fine. I get it. I understand that. I know comics. I know they're a couple. I am fine with that. Which they hinted at, I guess, in Civil War right yeah. now. Yeah, but it just, like... I saw an article on io9, even though I didn't read it, talking about they were, like, the emotional center of the movie, and I got real concerned. <laughs> what was that person watching? It, well, it was before the movie came out, so I don't uh, know. Okay. Um, because if that had... Like, any time they were like, oh, well, we gotta take him to Wakanda. I'm like... I know. Like, yes, take him to Wakanda, get the thing that he needs to get done, but, like, I don't, like... Like, go to Wakanda. Really die. Like, the vision has is not... Like, has not done anything for any of these movies so far. I am not connected to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and so to that point then, like, how did you feel? Like, like was everybody <laughs> just saying, yeah, just rip it out of the head? Yeah, like, I was. If, that's if what it I means thought. half of the universe. Well, that's actually... Uh, Vision that's... would probably be like, yeah, dude, rip it out okay, of my head. Okay, like, I get, I get... I know we're going to get into themes later, but I get the whole, like, we don't trade people, and that's a big theme. But, like, Captain America, like, is the trade life person. Uh-huh. That is his theme. Thing. Captain America has killed himself for people like 10 times in the comics 
and twice in the in the movie. So it's like the lampshade that like. Well, what about your your sacrifice in the Arctic? And he was like, that's totally different, totally different, totally different, totally different. It's like it's like if Captain America had a gym, had an Infinity Gym embedded in his head, he would rip it out himself. Like this is following that note, but slightly off topic from the question. That's like one of my favorite tropes about these movies is you know a lot of people gave um star lord shit <clears throat> in this movie for like you know throwing the punch too soon and they didn't get the gauntlet away from thanos in time and so he like fucked everything up because he was pissed off about gamora and everyone gave him shit for that but iron man did that in civil war when he's like you killed my mom and my dad even though he like knew that it wasn't really him yeah see, yeah yeah, um, yeah who else has done that yeah you know i think other characters have done that in previous marvel films uh, so it's funny this time around, which makes, I guess, like Scarlet Witch's anguish weird, as you were saying. Like, she does not go apeshit over the loss and act very selfish about her personal loss. Well, and I, I, okay, again, I don't want to get too deep in the comic weeds here. But, like, one thing I think is interesting about this movie is that, and about Scarlet Witch as a character in general, is that, like, Scarlet Witch is so powerful that when they did Civil War in the comics, they had to write her out of the comics. Mm -hmm. Avengers Disassembled is just about getting Scarlet Witch out of the comics. She was like, she's like Hulk, Thor, like reality shifting, get rid of all the mutants, powerful. And so I think it's weird that they depowered her because what I kind of wanted to happen was like Vision dies and then she just like fucking, she gets her comic book powers back and just like, like, well, that's what I was thinking in Age of Ultron. I'm not going to go on that. Right. Okay. Sorry. 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 Okay. Um, so I, I just shifting gears a little bit, but again, sort of like, did, did things work for you? I so a big moment in this movie, right in the middle, and we're about to get to the end and, and everything. But um, the Gamora's death uh, with at the reveal of the Red Skull and the Soul Stone, and and you know um, that whole sequence. Did Gamora's death like land for you? Gamora was sort of set up in the two Guardians movies. She was just straight up badass, you know, like the greatest one of the greatest warrior you know warriors in the galaxy um and i i personally kind of liked the whole sequence when you know she stabs thanos uh, thanos's vision then she like breaks down so she's like obviously hiding some sort of emotional thing that she can't even recognize but uh did the thing like when she doesn't recognize the choice that thanos has to make and that it's made about her and then eventually you know what the choice that it does make did all of that pay off for you or did you find that contrived it was contrived and i loved it okay (laughs) well i just i think i think it's kind of interesting too because like to me like the scene when he throws her off and her death and her like misreading it it all is like sort of part and parcel with her being her being in guardians of the galaxy made me think about how guardians of the galaxy 2 was like such a deeply emotional movie about family Mm -hmm. and so i wonder if they were thinking that like Mm -hmm. when i saw her i thought about like the scene where um god what's his name in guardians of the galaxy 2 his funeral scene yondu's funeral scene i thought about that and so i thought about like like you know dysfunctional families and families that kill you and so like to me that was what paid off about it was like Mm -hmm. thinking about going from guardians of the galaxy 2 to the scene where he kills her like and like i Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is one of the few movies where I just like I will cry like yeah. real blubbery tears yeah. at the end of it and I'm just like yeah, dads are so good aren't they oh my god but um, <laughs> god I just every time I watch that movie I'm like can we just get technology forward before I die enough that when I die people can just make big old like giant like <laughs> space light for me that's all I want just but that's an interesting thing too I, th- I think Gamora and Nebula I think they are starting to explore this even more I, I guess with those sequences of like really getting into their emotions 
of them as like um, abused children, now adults, and, the, and how they're trying to yeah. sort of deal well, with I, those emotions. And, right? I, and I think he was saying it's contrived, but I love it. But I think that we like to, in modern, in, like, in modern times, we like to think of things as contrivances and if things have been done before. But like, I'm sorry that I just, I only know one thing. I'm really sorry that I'm about to do this. But I mean, if you were to, if you were to review something in a movie that you say was a contrivance and it was in a book, what you would say is like, oh, that's archetypal. Right, like the moment where the father kills the daughter—that's Electra, right? It's Oedipus. It's like these yeah. things that have been around hey, for Electra, the comic book character. <laughs> I was very well, confused. Well, this. like the the Electra, the Electra complex is like the reverse of the Oedipus. I, complex. I, yeah, I know, I, I know. I, I have an English degree. I know degree. you're. Yeah, I know. I know you know. I know you. I know you're leaning on it, but I also have one. We we literally sat in the same four thousand level English classes together. So, um, but I I do I do kind of think that like just because the story beat is obvious doesn't like it's obviousness that it was going to happen in the moment when she's like ha 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 you're so weak like you thought you could do this but you can't and we all know but like its contrivance was was its power was that like we all knew that that was going to happen the the strength of the movie is how well the prior movies flow into infinity wars right so like and I think it's most obvious with Guardians uh, because it's they're still working with family dynamics, um, and because for me the that scene the payoff isn't Gamora's death, although it is, but like it is like no, I take back what I'm going to say. The payoff is Gamora's death, but it also like when you were talking about Star Lord and like people being upset that he punt like. Peter Quills had the worst fucking day. Like was also the worst really day. Bad. The worst day was no, probably worse. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we can get into that because Katie brought it up. So the the arc of Thor in this one, I think, is is pretty interesting, right? So um, I think, especially coming out of Ragnarok, um, and I I think the slash film people were even talking about, it, like now he is in a different space than he ever has been before. He kind of sees him. He's presided over the, like, the, the destruction of his planet. Um, he's seen his own power, like what he can do. He sees himself now as like this. Yeah, it's been a weird like 48 hours. Possible protector of the universe, right? It's been a weird like 48 hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that, so how did that work for you, Katie? Was it too much for Thor? Did that whole thing pay off? And this is going to segue perfect because when Thor comes back into the the battle at the end, I mean, that's probably one of the most iconic moments of the movie it will prove to be so uh, thor is a uh, probably one of the greatest uh, sort of through lines of this movie um and his so but how, did, how did his arc was work for you? actually the weakest because he's he's like separate from everyone for most oh. of the film he like is just hanging out with rocket for most of the time um rocket. and <laughs> i don't know i just I get that he had to like go get a new weapon or whatever, even though he just learned like the power comes from him and like not the hammer. And, um, <laughs> Fuck you. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again. I mean, it was literally go. the friends. Again. It was, Gro- it was Groot's arm. So like literally. That. I don't yeah. want to be like, oh, like it's not fair. Like the movie starts with him and everything going wrong for him. And he just went through so much. Like I get that they had to frame it that way. I'm just curious as to what the future has in store for him, like whether or not his like people are going to come back, like ha- the, that half of the ship that was killed. Right. 
um, if Valkyrie and his new pals are going to come back, if they're going to try and restructure like the Warriors 3 for him, which they also very awkwardly scrapped in Thor 3. <laughs> I know. I have yeah. I have so many thoughts about that. Too. I hope yes. she's still around, but I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that his arc was. That's another interesting. Weirdly, the weakest, but they bring it all back together. Okay. Peter Dinklage, anybody? How? How did? <laughs> yay, nay. Jesus Christ! That was a hate crime, dude. Come on. Hey. It uh, the laughter of that scene Dude. made me exceptionally uncomfortable. <laughs> what were you gonna say? I just I I get what they were trying to do because well no because like I I get it like what they're trying to do is be like all right we've done everything in the comics that we can do so now the only thing we have left is like we're gonna maybe get the Fantastic Four back which means we need to prep audience members for shit to get bat shit right yeah. right because like that's what that's like what Galactus marvel or something. yeah that's what marvel <laughs> cosmic yeah. is it's like marvel cosmic is just like all right guys like take some drugs and like let's read these books and like yeah. there's a lot of colors in them so get ready <laughs> like uh so i get like i even thought that the i thought that the whole cgi and the setup of the star that was all very good yeah. but that moment and i get what they were doing with that moment because marvel has this tendency to be like yeah fuck it we'll just invent every alien race it doesn't matter if just a new one every episode that's fine so like i get what they're trying to do but like <laughs> It just, it didn't, here's the, that, that actually, I was talking about intertextuality earlier. That was one moment of intertextuality that kind of struck me where it was like, I kind of felt like the Russo brothers were looking at me like, get it? Yeah. Get it? He's a dwarf, but he's tall. And in the Game of Thrones, he said that he was tall, but he's a dwarf. Do you see? Like, it's all coming together now. And I didn't. Okay. So Thor, you know, gets the hand, gets the axe back, Groot, pretty great scene. Groot, you know, provides the handle. Come back to Wakanda. I think there's a pretty fantastic moment when um, in the battle at Wakanda, uh, Captain America and Black Panther race out in front of, you know, everybody that's and the, So there's like this string of like really great sort of, you know, the, the all, can we talk about like the best all woman fight in the history? Yeah, of I'd fights? talk about it. So basically just that last battle scene before we get to the thing that I think everybody wants to talk about. But the um, in that last battle sequence, I think there are, are, are several of those sort of like, wow, movie moments. Um, so did any of those stand out um, and which ones and, and why to, to I, I mentioned the Thor when Thor comes back, but it, for anybody else, is there if, if, if that one or others? Uh, I am Steve Rogers. Oh, yes. I am really, <laughs> really just uh, zinged at home. I was so in love with Captain America at that point and was sure they were taking him from me, and I would have, like, jumped in front of that bullet. And <laughs> <laughs> you can't have him. He's too pure. He's too I, I really like the idea that, like, I stole this from a video essay, so this is not me, but I really like the idea that, like, the best things about Marvel movies or about comic book movies are when, like, the heroes are, like, most themselves, right? So in Ragnarok, when, like, the immigrant song comes on, you're just like, oh, I know it's fucking coming. And then when it happens, it's like, no, don't, like, pay me off in that moment. Like, yeah. I did really like the moment where they ran out in front because it's like, that is who those two characters are yeah. in that moment. And it's like, if heroes are just reflections of, like, some sort of id, some sort of, like, zeitgeist of like what we want to be as humans like why fucking not have that moment where we can all be like yes this is what good humans do you know see and to that 
of with the characters being most themselves, and that's the best part. Of- okay, let's talk about my Queen Okoye and how I love oh, her, oh, and how oh. she made a weaponized wig in Black Panther, and she's amazing for that because wigs <laughs> yep. are awful. I knew you would like. That. <laughs> I know. I'm very transparent. Thank you. Uh, Damn. <laughs> so, but like when Scarlet Witch finally does anything in this movie, um, and Okoye is like, talk about she. Stood there in Scotland. <laughs> she cried a couple times. She yeah. had very big eyes, and <laughs> as an Asian, I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, we're just doing away with that. Oh no, there's the accent. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Okoye saying like where she's been up there the whole time. I feel like a that's the most Okoye thing. Oh, that was fantastic. like that's the perfect quip, and also exactly how I felt. Mm-hmm. Like I needed someone or to the, acknowledge that uh, in the movie. Uh, the eye that she gave when uh, when. Uh, Banner fell down in the whole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I think if this movie to me has like a greater failing, it's that I know they filmed a lot of it before Black Panther came out, and I think one of its biggest failings is like like we're in a post Afro futuristic world right now. Like like Black Panther was this huge cultural movement, and like I'm a straight white guy from the south, and like I felt that. So like I cannot imagine like if it actually was like for me what it would have felt like. So I felt like one of this movie's failings was that like, come on, like let's get let's get Wakanda in here. Like let's get the power of Wakanda in here. But mm-hmm. I did think one of the cool moments was that moment where you have um Okoye and um Black Widow Black Widow Jesus, I'm sorry. Okoye and Scarlett Johansson all like fighting in there. And I did it to me it was kind of like, okay, like we can have a fight where all of the women are wearing clothes and oh, it's yeah, not right. sexual at all and they're just like badasses killing people. And like that was like a pretty big yeah yeah that me. was a, is that that's isn't that Proxima Midnight right mm-hmm. that's the yeah. ch- child of Thanos yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's like when Lisa Simpson was happy the first stealth bomber pilot was a woman <laughs> yeah. which was a good line right that's a pretty iconic moment too when she's about to kill Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. and then she said you're gonna die alone yeah oh I did out. get tears during that but scene she's not alone yeah what beautiful. The most simple Disney movie moments will make me be like, oh. <laughs> she's not alone. She's not alone at all. Oh my God. I am Groot. How about, uh, we haven't talked about him at all, but how about Bucky picking up Rocket? Oh, uh, okay, okay. We all want, all of us that have tumblers wanted that. All of us have written about it in the Stucky community. And so since the Russo Brothers arc is just paying off what we all want in the Stucky community. I expected it to happen, but when it did, yeah, it yeah. felt pretty good. Okay. Yeah, there was there was some cheers. Yeah. Um, all right, so I guess we got to get to it. I I think we've we've hit on everything. So the end, the end comes. Uh, Thanos arrives. We've had um, we, we didn't talk about it a ton. The the sequence on Titan, which um, I thought was pretty fan pretty fantastic the um spider-man jumping through dr strange's portals and peter quills you know obviously you know succumbing to his emotions and and ultimately them getting defeated um and dr strange handing over the time the time stone (laughs) so thanos has achieved his goal um and he arrives uh and so I guess a little two-part thing. Well, let's just start, um, with, I guess, just the last sort of sequence of Thanos arriving, you know, Thor, um, well, actually before that, Vision um, and Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch, you know, extracting the, or blowing up the stone, and then Thanos rewinding, you know, the whole thing with the time stone. Um, did that feel like a cheat uh, to anybody? I mean, they, they'd already established that maybe in Doctor Strange, so it's not like it's never been done before in the MCU. But um, 
did you feel cheated out of that moment at all? No, or no, that okay. actually felt. We need more moments like that. Okay. Um, and then um, once that happens, Thanos go, going in and then just yeah. really one of a very violent kind of up, moment, honestly. right? Like with, I felt very really indifferent about the romance between Vision and Scarlet Witch, but for her to try and peacefully take his life, only to like watch him get obliterated, I was like, "That's fucked up, y'all." <laughs> yeah, and to see uh, yeah. his ripped open head with the uh, like, oh, well, the cords and things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, right, and yeah. The, the, the colorless vision, which yeah. was kind of jarring yeah. in this movie, which is, or all the MCU, well, which very heard, rarely... become white vision, <laughs> just become like a dog Vision, the white. white. Oh. <laughs> I've come back to you now. <laughs> and that's how we get Silver Surfer in the MCU. I Perfect. <laughs> So Thor comes in, buries the axe, Thanos snaps his fingers, and then everything happens, right? So, okay, so this is the big one, right? So, how did this work for everybody? I mean, you can anybody can start. We all know what happens. So, you know, Bucky's the first, and he, you know, Steve, Steve, oh God, and you know, Steve kind of puts his knee down or or his hand down, um, all the way down the line to. I would say just personally, uh, the um, having to watch Peter Parker disintegrate was, yeah, was <laughs> probably was a little brutal. too brutal for me for a second. Um, uh, but like knowing what we know in this you know internet world, that there are movies coming later and there's a franchise to maintain, and that these people clearly are not gone. Uh, did this? work for everybody yes. were there real stakes or was it just enough to have to experience the disintegrations and that paid off on an emotional level how did everybody feel about the disintegrations it's impossible to separate you know a work a mass market work like this from the industrial context in which it's made so it's impossible to separate your feelings about it from that background you know, radiation of, oh yeah, sure. You know, these guys are coming back. These guys aren't. We know their contracts are up. Theirs aren't. These these sequels are scheduled. These aren't. So that's impossible to separate those feelings because these films encourage that. You know, there's definitely a feedback loop between the audience and like you were saying about the Tumblr crowd. I mean, you know, there are Marvel interns right now pouring over those posts trying to figure out what thing to put in the next to service their fans. Mm-hmm. You know, checking out hashtags and such. But in spite of all of that, I think the Russo's really struck the landing, and I think that that is the most striking moment of the movie. Just like the first Avengers, which is super boring for a long time, and then it ends really strong. <laughs> this one actually ended really strong. Also, yeah. it was it was really striking, and there was a, a like a pall over the theater. Mm-hmm. You know, there were no little kids crying in my screening because I saw it in mid afternoon. You know, like a week later, but. It was still like, it. I, I felt it a little bit. Yeah. You know, I could suspend disbelief for a moment before I said, "Oh yeah, come on." Yeah. Well, I have a question about that specifically in a second, but just for everybody else, just how they felt about the ending. Um. Okay, so the ending was everything I wanted it to be desperately ever since I heard they were splitting it into two parts. I was like, oh, do the finger snap at the end. It's what I want. It's what I need. Because I want, like, the television shows to just have to deal with half of the population being dead. Um, But I also didn't think the Marvel studios would have the chutzpah 
to actually do it. So when they did the damn thing, I was like, well, oh! Like, by mid-movie, you're like, okay, I know that, like, <laughs> the, his plan's gonna work and half these people are gonna be dead at the end of the movie, but which one? <laughs> oh, you thought half the Avengers yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, you thought um, half the Avengers people pointed out some interesting death. things to yeah. me after okay. the movie. Yeah. After the movie, they were like, "I'm pretty sure like all the original Avengers right. were left. Ra- Rocket's like the only right. guardian. Mm-hmm. Right all the original right Avengers are still at yeah. slash Nebula. Nebula's her best. Just made it into the fam, I think. <laughs> Kendra, how'd you feel about it? I felt like they could have stepped on the emotion a little bit more. I think, with the exception of Peter Parker, which was effective. Uh, you know, the, the Cap and Bucky scene could have been really horrendous. Even their, like, kind of reunion was a hey, little bit Hey, you like, again. There's that uh, guy. So that good. asshole. Or what about uh, Black Panther, right? So uh, Okoye goes over and says... And she gave it, like, she gave it all the, the feeling that it had. Isn't it Black Panther? And he leans down and says, this is no place to die. And then he starts disintegrating, right? Yeah. yeah. And then her face is... Yeah, she, yeah. she brings it. But, again, I feel like they could have stepped on that emotion just a little bit harder. And I'm sure it was nanoseconds in the editing like fighting yeah, for yeah. every death moment in this <laughs> right. movie that's already way too long yeah exactly sure. nathan um I, I i you know it was like as soon as it happened i was like well they're all in the soul stone like i said those words out loud I was uh, like, just, they're, they're in comic the, book insiders yeah. well no like i, I wasn't even i wasn't even self-soothing i was just like oh that's like my first reaction was like that's a cool point yeah and i and like so my first thing was, was like more in there Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she goes in and it's all purple. So well, some, we'll some... get to there. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do, I do think the reason I knew that they stuck the landing was that like I was like, oh, they're in the stall zone, and then I turned and my wife was like a blubbery mess. <laughs> yeah. and my wife was just. My wife brought this. Oh, I'm sorry that I'm outing you. Um, she brought this little like plush I saw Bucky it on doll, Twitter, or, and, Instagram, and she had like almost torn it in half like, by the time that scene happened. So I, I did kind of like it got to me in that moment where I was just like, I, I I was actually kind of happy because I was like, man, isn't it cool that like we made movies about comic books and things that we like that are good enough that like we can they can have this impact and we can all be crying yeah, yeah, and like right. we, we, yeah yeah we made somebody made art for us and it's like good. Well, and like. Going back to the thing that I was saying when we were talking about our initial uh, reactions about uh, Infinity War, right. like I was just so surprised that the spoilers for that movie didn't leak months yeah. ahead of time, no. and also yeah. that the audience was in it enough because I imagine it's how everyone felt at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, when going. Yeah, yeah, being like, huh, like because they, they they knew another movie was coming by the time that movie was out. Like, we know another movie is coming, but, like, we're still just like... <laughs> okay, so I do have one gentle criticism. Yeah. And my gentle criticism would be that, like, you were talking about, like, we didn't think Marvel would have the Hutzpah. I didn't either. But I think back about it, and I think, like, part of the reason that they had the balls to do it was because they know that we know this stuff. They know that most adult viewers of this are, like, metatextually watching it, right? We're watching it, and... Like right. We really care. These are the people we, these are like the people that we lust after. Like we care about where their careers are going. Right. But so my only, my only criticism of the end of the movie was like, like 10 year olds saw this movie and I'm never one of those, like think of the children people, but there was a moment where I was like, <laughs> how are you going to convince perfect. your 10 year old that this is not like, Nathan, this is a perfect, the, my very next question is, was the ending too dark? We, I have to 
kids. I have two young boys, seven and four years old. My four-year-old still insists on being called Spider-Man. Okay, Aww. so and so Marvel was always the movies that like you know, we we, oh, we could always take them to see you know Spider-Man: Homecoming or Doctor Strange or whatever. You know, like not DC. That was you know, they might be too dark <laughs> and weird. I must say that Spider-Man: Homecoming prompted my children to ask me, "Daddy, what's porn?" Oh, or what the f- <laughs> yeah right. Um, so in this one, uh, especially. Things like now it's come to light. Uh, James Gunn on Twitter over the weekend yeah. said that he, you know, in the script, what does Groot say when he says he's, dad? He says yeah. dad to Rocket, right? Yeah. When he's disintegrating. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, re- I read that and I cried. Like, whatever. But, you know, it's there's a lot the going, going on there. So we had an honest discussion, my wife and I, about can we take. The kids to see this because um, we were worried about how they would react, and we felt like Luke, who's older uh, and uh, can process a little bit more, we thought that he could do it. But we did not take Bruce because we thought Bruce, aka Spider Man, it would be too much to have to watch Spider Man disintegrate, and he would not know the, the meta context of what was happening. So, did they go too far in no. this sense of like Marvel is, hey, this is the kid stuff, and now they? they do this well i think i don't think they did because i think what marvel is thinking about is like well you're gonna own both of these if you own one of them like i think what marvel is thinking of is like i'm not old enough to have watched empire strike back and then had to wait for it right so like i've only ever seen them together so i think marvel's more thinking of that than they are right yeah yeah these are gonna have a much longer tail on video or the disney I mean, I, I can imagine, like, whenever I watch The Empire Strikes Back, I generally speaking start up Return of the Jedi, just because they kind of flow into each other naturally, even though this, Return of the Jedi is not as good, but but still, like, I watch them back to back, so I'm imagining when I get both of these movies, like, on digital, I'm probably just going to be like, well, there's six hours gone, like, okay. Yeah. So that's a, another good segue into, the, we're getting into the end here, everybody, but um, the the legacy of, of this movie, of the Marvel movies, I think for all of us, um, that have been alive while this is happening. It's an incredibly, you know, ambitious undertaking, as everyone has said a million times before. Um, but it's going to be a much different viewing experience for somebody 20, 25 years later, right? So if, you know, whatever comes after it, um, it's not going to have the same impact that it had for us in the theater when we watched it, you know, two weeks ago or a week ago. They're going to know what happens at the end, or they're going to watch Iron Man, and then, oh, that was fun, and then I'm going to watch Captain America Civil War, and then they're going to go, like, they're going to bounce around. So do you think this will have, this whole, you know, saga of movies, this this collection of movies, will have an impact um, as great as it has right now, obviously, within the box office, 20, 25, 30 years from now, or is it just going to be just, oh, there was just a bunch of superhero mm-hmm. movies? I don't know. I think that, you know, Kevin Feige is the most successful producer as a tour since Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. You know, maybe Selznick is only the other producer who's been that much of an auteur of his material. And, you know, to have that type of um, success and to have that type of vision and consistency throughout, you know, regardless of whose toes get stepped on creatively. Um, it, it's powerful and it's going to have a huge impact. So I think the reverberations of this are being felt now. They've been felt for years. I mean, the you know the DC Cinematic Universe, the Universal Monsters Universe, the 
you know, let's bundle all the Hasbro things we own and to make a movie out of that that's supposed to be coming down the pipe. Like, this has already had a huge reverberation, you know, in the industry. Everybody's chasing this this brass ring. I guess and less... He, he grabbed it. Yeah. He grabbed it. So, you know, kudos to Bikey. Will it have the same type of artistic merit right. and stuff that, as, like, Empire Strikes Back right. and all that? Yeah. That's tough to say. I mean, these, these films certainly... Um, they're not as visually exciting as the Star Wars, the old Star Wars films. I don't think they're going to age as well. The visual effects will look worse sooner, and they're already starting to look bad if you look at some of the old ones. The music is certainly worse. I think out of 19 films, there's one memorable music cue, the Avengers theme from Alan Silvestri. Like, the rest of it is just like... I don't know. Uh, I, th- I, think the Bla- I think the Black Panther... So, you know, maybe the Black Panther score, and I think that's that's very telling that, you know, they let Sylvester roam with the ball, and they've thrown every composer in the industry at this series in 18 movies, and there's not one distinctive theme for each hero. I think, I think, I think what Feige is counting on is that all of these movies will be released into a post-binging era. So oh, yeah. Imagine, There'll be like, a big Infinity Gauntlet-shaped box set. Well, well no, I don't, I don't mean that. I just, I just think, like, just think like, Disney's rolling out their own streaming service. You put all oh, 25, yeah. of 25 of these movies on the same, on the same service, service, like, I'm going to pay gonna for it. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's going to have a Netflix-type thing where it just starts the next one chronologically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So, I, so I, I, I think I, the impact, impact will be just as big, if only because we'll be consuming media differently. Right. Like, So if you want to watch the complete first arm of the MCU, you'll be able to do it. Yeah. And I think that's what Feige is seeing. It's like, like this isn't over. Like We're going to just roll this out. Yeah. I, 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 I was thinking more artistically of like as a movie Infinity War I think like what James was hitting at like will it be regarded like Empire Strikes Back or is it just going to be like oh that was just another movie in the MCU it doesn't really stand on its own I don't know I mean but also I mean I guess I'll go back to the thing that I keep going back to which is it's the first movie that was able to make like bring all the aspects together over a long period of time. Um, so if, and that in itself is an artistic achievement. Yeah. And so if nothing else, it will be that. I interpreted your question originally to mean, would it have the same cultural impact the way that Star Wars does to which? Yeah, that too. Um, you know, I don't know. People love, like, people will go back to, you know, trade paperbacks for comic books that were stories like 30 years ago and be like, oh, I love that one the most. So I feel like since, I mean, like nerd culture, I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see at home. Um, It's a real shame for all of you that this isn't a visual art. I know, I know. Um, That's half of the experience. So it's tapped into there. So I think that it will have... It has longevity behind it. I mean, people, for God's sake, people still talk about, like, Anna Paquin in the first X-Men <laughs> movie and that. And she hasn't been rogue, and that movie's been out for yeah. longer than I've been alive. I mean, part That's of, a lie. Part of, <laughs> part of that streaming service quote, I mean, what I meant by that is, like, I mean, like, okay, so I'm, like, a deep, deep-cut science fiction nerd, right? And so one of the things that yeah. appeals to me, yeah, I really... I have. I'm wearing an Ozzy Mandeus shirt. So, um, um, oh, I didn't. I can't read. I didn't know that. Um, um, I, I, so, one of the things that appeals to me about science fiction and fantasy in books and in comic books in general is that, like, you just have this big mass. You have this big body of work, and you can just digest it, and you can read as ravenously as you want, and you just have this whole huge experience that you can go through. And I guess my point about the binging culture thing was that 
the reason I think the cultural impact is going to be felt going on is that this this is going to be this is going to be like wheel of time. This is going to be like oh yeah, you know what I'm like saying? 40 it's like yeah, it's yeah. like if yeah. you are if you're a fantasy nerd, wheel of time has some huge flaws. But if you're a fantasy nerd, you've probably read something that is a giant fantasy text and and one of the things that feels good about that is like man i got like all these books and i'm it's going to take forever to run out of them and i can come back to them and so i kind of feel like that's going to be the impact is like oh i wasn't alive when all these avengers movies came out but i can just like sit down i can just like binge through these things and i can get to know these characters and all come together right yeah does that that mean kevin feige's gonna die and some other guy's gonna finish it (laughs) no because kevin Kevin feige can write female female characters characters. (laughs) oh Robert Jordan, you are on notice. R.I.T.D. Blah, blah, Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan could write Navani, and that was it. Sorry, carry on. No, you're fine. Um, I would like to make kind of a strange comparison. Um, I think that these movies will continue to be very memorable, even if, like we said, they might diminish in quality more quickly because this, you know, CGI technology will improve more quickly, things like that. I want to compare it to Lost, the uh, television show. Right. Lost really changed the way that TV shows worked after Lost aired because it dealt with a huge ensemble cast, uh, became more commonplace to have like uh, episodes that are about a character in particular, yeah. you know, for every episode um, and also do flashbacks. This is like a whole other tangent, but I really do think Lost, whether you like it or hate it, really like broke a lot of genres and changed the no, way we do tv that's the perfect comparison to what we were talking about earlier yeah. about was this like a, yeah. a more of a tv show yeah, so than, a, I think, than a movie i think like decades from now when i'm like old <laughs> uh that's not true oh. <laughs> we'll all be dead um god will well, that's like that's like more decades than i was talking about but no i meant like 2020 oh, yeah. no. <laughs> what on. do you know anyway I think that we will look back on these movies and be like, this was one of the first franchises to do that, to have people be like, oh, I saw this Marvel movie and here's what it made me think about the other Marvel movies and how they're very specifically connected and it's done really well. And there's very, very few inconsistencies. And as we've said before, that's like a huge task to take on. And that I think is what will make it most memorable in the way that Lost changed a genre of TV. Yeah, and I think, I think that- that's it gets to the point of we were talking about earlier about like blurring these lines of TV and movies that now like we have a movie that is essentially a cliffhanger yeah. of yeah. a season that's going to pick show. up in May again. You know, it's sort of, um, so what is a TV show? What's a movie anymore? All right. So we're going to go to the lightning round and then we have one last question after the can I, end. Can I just add something? Oh, yeah. It's been pointed out to me that I mispronounced the name of a very major Robert <laughs> Jordan character <laughs> oh. who, whose name is actually pronounced Nynaeve. Nynaeve. Oh. She jerks on that braid a lot, though. She sniffs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a deep cut. There you go, Wheel of Time fans. That was really cool. Thank you. All right. So I'm just going to throw this out to everybody. Just a couple of just random questions to see um, what uh, everyone thought. So, um, and then we'll get to our final question and wrap it up. So how did everybody feel? Was it cool that Hulk had like Thanos PTSD or dumb? Okay. I, I thought it, I thought it was fine, but Mark Ruffalo's weird head and that Hulkbuster <laughs> armor. That's what I was waiting for. When Second I worst the... special effect besides Peter Dinklage's weird head <laughs> and I am not Tyrion, other British, not British accent. <laughs> Third worst special effect. Anybody else? 
not hulking out, did that bother you? That was great. I love Vinny. Okay. I mean, I think that love. many men have performance <laughs> problems. All right. So uh, a lot of characters in this movie. Which of the heroes got yeah, like the shortest shrift? Like, who do you feel like, oh, they should have had some more stuff? Oh, uh, Sergeant Fucking Bucky Barnes. Hawkeye. Uh, T'Challa. Jesus you fucking Hawkeye Christ. Hawkeye in the movie. If this is Mike. Mike Hawkeye sucks. <gasps> he I does. Took, I took Hawkeye to the zoo. Okay, we've got to fight was, Frank. All right, so we, we have Hawkeye, T'Challa. Black we have Bucky, Black Widow. Black Widow had some stuff. She had she had stuff. I think uh, it might Bucky really missed out on this and Bucky. one. Okay. Um, which hero... Uh, could do with less lines. Hawkeye could have fewer lines. <laughs> How? Yeah. Oh, dare oh, you. Yeah, I like, introduced blah, him to blah, a rhinoceros. Blah. Okay. He All asked right. intelligent questions. <laughs> Anybody else? The rhinoceros? Who had too uh, who had too many lines? I just I always I always feel like Tony Stark talks too much. Yeah, He's fuck just one of RDJ my least can fuck off. Oh, I feel that way about Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange okay. talks. This is my much. America. Can accent <laughs> that I am an American Anybody doing. doing. Yeah, Iron Man Iron has Man. been playing the same Nathan. movie for the yeah, last three I'm movies. Yeah, I, I I just want I will, I can see the path to the RDJ Iron Man sacrifices himself, yeah. and yeah. I I can see it, and I just want it to happen. Yeah, and yeah. I, I love the Iron They've Man movies. I it like so his many character, times. but we're just it's it's, it's time. It's, time. He gets gross points movie. on every one of these he appears in. He's one of the very few people that gets a gross profit participation, which uh, is yeah. extremely rare. I mean, like there's two or three people that get yeah. that. So his incentive to like keep showing up and get his head CGI'd <laughs> onto the stuntman every week is super high. All right. Uh, any uh, candidates for the best line of the movie? Best best dialogue? Best line in the movie? Drax, number one. Yeah. The uh, An hour. I've been here an hour. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anybody else? I can't remember specifics, but I feel like we didn't... I think you probably already mentioned Steve Rogers, I am Steve Rogers. Rogers. Yeah, Rogers. yeah, that, that was Chris a good Hensworth, one. we did not give enough uh, chop, his comedic chops in this movie. Um, well, he was good. Very Rabbit, he was, Rabbit good. was a good yeah. runner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel that way about Mantis. Oh, yeah. Mantis is the most precious little angel to me, and I just want to cradle her in my arms and keep her safe. <laughs> well, because I want there to be a movie where Bucky is the comic character White Wolf from the comic books. The White Wolf is like uh, rested long enough. That was like a real big moment. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was right. That was a good, that's a deep cut. Um, uh, Anybody get like a a best goosebump scene? Like, oh gosh, exactly. uh, Mine was the... uh, uh, Captain America catching the spear in the uh, in the subway. That whole sequence was pretty great. Really? <laughs> <laughs> or you know, the the train going by and then yeah, that was your big takeaway. Oh, it's I like, thought that, he caught the spear. I think the opening the, credits an audible were great. cheer in the audience. Yeah, like, I, I do. I do think that the best thing that Marvel has done. I like that moment because the best thing Marvel has done is because like in the Marvel comics, like Captain America is just such a big weighty figure. In everything that his appearance affects, right? That was it. Affects right. comic books, yeah, so I think sure. it's cool that they actually pulled that off in yeah. the movie. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the the Thor moment, like, yeah. I just want yeah. Led Zeppelin. I mean, the fact that they didn't have Immigrant Song come on in that moment, yeah. like, I, I wanted it. I wanted it so much. Yeah, they're real precious about how they license. That was very rare. Yeah. I mean, there's only about two or three movies with Zeppelin songs that right. are directed by Cameron Crowe. Oh, so shots fired. It's, no, no, seriously. He's yeah. one of, because he interviewed them in the day, he's one of the few people that could consistently license Zeppelin. And even they shut him down for Almost Famous. 
Or he wanted Did anyone to cry away. in the movie. No. No. I yes. would never do that. <laughs> That's for babies. It's a baby's toy. <laughs> <laughs> I cried a little bit. Yeah. I siphoned other people's tears and bubbled them into an essence. <laughs> I mean, can can the face of God's greatest gift truly cry? Can, can, can the angel she's God? She's so forgot? lucky. She's a star, but she cries, cries, cries in the lonely night, thinking. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna end it on this. Where uh, we'll go around the table. We're gonna start with Mingvas, and we'll say um, your. So let's try not to get too deep in the weeds on comics. Oh, don't look at me when you fucking say. That. <laughs> But uh, your best guess, your predictions, your thoughts on like where, how are they going to un, you know, untie this knot? Like where, where will they go from here? What's going to happen in the next one? Is it what I want to happen or what I think is Either going to one, happen? I guess, what would that want? I guess we would say what? What would you like to see in the yeah, next? Yeah, you're the boss of yeah. Marvel. Go for it! Oh my Jesus, that's a dangerous thing. Give me. How about um, some LGBT characters next time? Thank you. Okay, well. I want to talk about Ebony Ma and how he's coded to be gay, but that's a whole different... Oh, we didn't even get into, yeah, into Ma, yeah. I love Ebony Ma, and he's definitely coded to be gay. <laughs> um, but like a mean gay, you know? We all are. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to like... That's my secret. I, that has not been my experience, but carry on. <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about your personal life. Um, I just want... a madcap time travel like like i want i want thematically the next one to be the reverse of this movie i want it to start sad and get more happy crazy and ridiculous like i because if there's i love i love the third actor whatever conclusion act it's my favorite thing to watch or read because i like to see the way people weave it together so i just I want I want them to be like we're sad we're joyous we're going on these crazy adventures to get the stone back. That's all I, that's all I really need. Yeah. Really, it just has to be as good as Return of the Jedi. That's all they have Whoa. to do to stick the landing. Pretty minus low four. bar for minus pretty minutes, low bar. Yeah. Right. Just spend forty four minutes in the throne room instead of forty five. <laughs> Kendra, what do you think? Is this is this what we want? What you, yeah, what you want, right? What I want is the they use the time stone to retcon the horrible Age of Ultron Hawkeye and give us Matt Fraction Hawkeye. Oh. 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 All oh. they had to do was I have an apartment and pizza said dog. no comics. I'm, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I love you the Matt Fraction Hawkeye, too. Yeah. Hawkeye can give us Kate to this show. I mean, but or what do you to, think you might happen, there. then? Like, oh. what would you oh, think? Oh, that's not my real answer? Yeah. Fine. Because I'm a woman. Um... No, no, no. <laughs> I don't. You're, I, you're just wrong. I, yeah. Well, I'm used to that. Um, I don't. I, my my assumption is that they're gonna kill off Cap and, and uh, Iron Man in the next movie. Uh, they're gonna have their whole like, oh, we met. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my God, we're dead. Uh, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everybody that has sequels will be fine. Yeah. And that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think it's pretty clear that if they borrowed so much from Infinity Gauntlet, I think they're in the Soul Stone. Okay. And, you know, I think you're right. I think Tony and Captain are, are going to sacrifice themselves. But the only thing I want is I actually think that, like, the arc of Captain America, and I never thought I'd say these words, but <laughs> Chris Evans' performance has been so – I know – I know, but Chris Evans' performance has been so good and so consistent. What do you and know? he and are people he, saying mean things about my son. 
Yeah, I know. But like Chris Evans, like Captain Captain America, to me is the most fully realized comic book character I've ever seen on a screen. And I think like when I read when I read the death of Captain America, I think of Chris Evans in as Captain America. So I just need them to stick the landing on Captain America's death. Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah. Like the the thing about Captain America that I like is that he's just a good dude. So I just want him to die as a good dude. Yeah, That's gonna, all I need. He's so, going to go out saying, I can do real, this all day. Real yeah. quick before he has we, we finish the last two, that has Captain America become Superman in the modern like modern pop culture? Oh, I think he has because I think he represents, whereas like, I'm so sorry, but Superman might have represented like the, the Halcyon like pre-Cold War days to everybody in, in, in the time in Superman's heyday. But to us, I think Captain America represents arguably this dream of America that didn't exist, that never existed, but like just a guy who's just a good dude. Like if you, if you took a good dude and gave him superpowers and he was just going to be nice to people, regardless of like whatever he encountered, yeah, yeah. like that's what Captain America would be. And it's, it's kind of an aspiration, aspirational thing. I think. I, I and a straight that. white dude would do that. I don't believe it. I know. <laughs> I know. It is. I know. But growing up, I mean, like as a kid in, 70s and 80s. Uh, a straight Superman, white dude? That was like that was the first thing. Everyone knew Superman. Sure. Captain America, people knew him as a comic book hero. Yeah. But like <laughs> Superman was Superman. But I think now, in that sense, Captain yeah. America has yeah. supplanted Captain Superman. Captain like my kids know Captain America. They don't know well, Superman. And, so. and like Captain America, no, Civil yeah, War in the comics. Nice. <laughs> Civil War in the comics was also a huge mistake, just like the movie, but I don't want to litigate that. But like the I mean the best part of the Civil Captain America in the Civil War was the idea that like Captain America represents America, the idea as it should be, not as it is, right? And so, like, if there's a more poignant message for our time, I don't know what there is. And so I think, like, just this idea of, like, he's from the 50s, but he's not a racist, and, like, he just cares about people. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, like, I'm telling you, I know this didn't exist, but I'm just telling you what I think he represents. (laughs) That's interesting. All right, so, James. The best part of the Civil War was Sherman's March. What? What What do you know? What do you want? He should have burned more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at you, Columbia. No, he did burn Columbia. Looking at you, Savannah. Why didn't he burn it all? All right. Savannah's Infinity War Two. I love. Okay, so in in Infinity War Two, I'm just echoing the the sentiments of everyone. Everybody whose contracts up dies. Hemsworth's doing the Men in Black reboot, so he's out. (gasps) What? Um. That's the most exciting. Evans is out because he's just done. He wants to eat. He wants to eat real human food again. Um, RDJ, I think he's done because he's just done. And uh, yeah, I think all the new people come back. And it's like time bandits with the Avengers. I think they they jump. Maybe they jump in and out of you know different time periods from the other films. If we get a Terry and Gilliam like giant cartoon foot in the next one, I'll nut. Katie. Okay. Well. I think uh, that, yes, most of the people who disintegrated are going to come back. I think the people who are maybe probably actually dead are Gamora, Loki, Heimdall, and Vision. Um, I do think that some of the disintegrated people are going to come back, and then a few of them, like Chris Evans and RDJ, are going to sacrifice themselves or whatever. I think that Captain Marvel's probably going to fix most of this somehow, right, and possibly yeah, enlist... I think that she's possibly going to enlist Ant-Man and Hawkeye because they have probably seen their families killed uh, and disintegrated. Oh, yeah, and they're yeah, going to be, point. they're going to come out of retirement because of that. And we'll have, finally have a cosmic level female villain. Or female yes, superhero. exactly. But where's my cosmic level female villain? I think, I think Hell? is, um. Hell's kind of. She was good. She was good. Um, I also think that 
at least 10 minutes of the movie is going to be Thanos on his little like weird vacation paradise <laughs> yeah. being like, I'm so proud of this. And it's going to be like the episode of SpongeBob where Squidward goes to the community of other Squidwards. And he's like, I love this. Playing the clarinet every day. I'm eating some canned bread. I'm going to yoga. And every day he gets a little more tired of doing the same thing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Thanos is going to do that, but like with Thanos things. I don't know if he eats <laughs> canned bread. I, I, I keep killing half the people and it's just boring. He's committing smaller and smaller genocides. Oh, yeah, so I asked um, on Twitter before we started uh, for some questions. And we did get one question. Uh, does uh, does anybody think Thanos is dead, and he's in the Soul Stone with everybody else? Does anybody believe that? Oh, that is a hot take, isn't it? Yeah. He may have killed himself with the he was part of the I don't, I don't yeah. think so. Okay, that was just I, one do, I wanted I to do. make sure that we addressed on from well, Twitter questions. <gasps> what I really want to happen is the post-credit scenes in Avengers 2 to introduce the Fantastic Four coming back. Okay. Oh, All so right. that was another one. So They were else stuck in the stone. They were no, no, no. Like, like the, the, for... the intergalactic beeper, like they picked up the signal, they were out in space, and then Captain Marvel comes back. You don't understand. I went into a fugue state on Twitter for the last several months because I was convinced, I was convinced that the Fantastic Four were going to be in this movie and it was going to be a surprise to us right. because when Robert Downey Jr. suggested moving up the uh, release date, yeah. Marvel Studios responded with "fantastic" in all quotes, in all caps. Idea. It was released in the fourth month, on the fourth day, on the fourth week. <laughs> like, how were they not in this movie? I'm so bad. Well, that was another question that came in. Like, is that going to be the stinger, or is that yeah, going to be dude, part can of you just, the can, second part of Infinity can, War, can, fan, either the Fantastic Four? What is or the Surfer what is the legal situation well, they, of that? I, I think, they're, they're you, buying. They're buying them, right? Well, they're in um, process Comcast of trying to. In, yeah. Or Who there's rumors that? that Comcast put in like a full money bid. Well, we will address that in May of 2019 when we reassemble <laughs> the Avengers Infinity War panel. Um, so, wah, 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 wah. thank you all for joining us. We uh, thank you to Justin for being our amazing engineer He's and so never pretty. got to speak the entire time, as he should have. <laughs> He's like, oh, thank God, you to I Ming Vaz Dynasty and to Kendra Stout and to Nathan Lawrence, James Major, and Katie Braun for an amazing panel discussion. Uh, we are, we're going to do some more of these. Uh, we will hopefully maybe reassemble for solo. Um, Fuck and, yes, and we will. Why did they kill Marjorie Tyrell? And the Wasp, and uh, and then go from there. But um, please subscribe to the Rookin Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and Simplecast. Um, and so, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. So, say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.
Unrelated to what's going on, <laughs> are we going to have a post credit scene at the Ooh, end of this yeah. podcast? Oh, yes. It's just him trying to fit the microphone yeah, all the way in his mouth. Oh, I like that. <laughs> no, I, like, like, don't worry. Try has nothing to do with this. It's going in my mouth. Like, I know I can do it. It's just... First of all, I need you to back away from my brand. Sorry. Look, you know my brother. My brother once basically had me dislocate his hip just to prove that I like that he could take it. God bless boys like you. I mean, like. I-